everybody, welcome back to the Servant Leadership Institute podcast. Today we have a presentation by Habib Habib from our 2019 Servant Leader Conference. Habib is the CEO and principal of BPC, an employee benefits administration firm. BPC is a repeat winner four times of best places to work in Illinois. He is also founder of the H Squared Leadership Institute, an organization focused on helping people take the good in life to a higher level and to inspire them to pursue excellence while making the world a kinder, gentler, and more positive place. Habib has a pretty incredible story which added a lot of value to our attendees at the conference, and we are excited to share it with you now. We hope you enjoy. Hello. Kelly Cardenas called me up to do a, uh, a podcast with me, and he asked me a question that I've never been asked before. He said, Habib, is Habib Habib your stage name or your real name? And I thought I'd start with that because I know what you're thinking. Uh, how did this guy get the same first and last name? You can laugh with me and at me if you want. Uh, I was, I'm one of three boys. And my older brother was about three when I was about to be born. And my parents looked at my older brother and said, what should we call your upcoming brother? And our last name was Habib. And Habib means darling or beloved or sweetheart or include anything you want. And all he could say was Habib. And they go, Habib, Habib, twice beloved. And here I am. I I had to grow. I had to grow into that name. I hated it when I was a kid. I was the shyest guy in the world, by far the shyest guy in the world. And if I asked you who's the shyest person here today, you wouldn't raise your hand because you're too shy to raise your hand. So uh, I have good news and bad news. The bad news is I can't get through all my slides. The good news is they're on my website for you on a hidden page. I need a volunteer to go to that website because I want to prove to you that you can trust me. Who will go... Habib, Habib, E-E-B, not I-B. I-B is correct, but I changed it. Habib, Habib.com forward slash S-L-C, Servant Leadership Conference 2019, lowercase, forward slash S-L-C 2019. Tell me that you have uh, a page live. So um, my favorite slide is right up here. A good leader makes you want to do a better job. A great leader makes you want to be a better person. Doing versus being. And if I may be bold enough to tell you guys, I'm going to talk about Humanity 101. I would like for us to talk about being better people. Uh, There's not too many good role models. There's a lot of great people out there, but not many in leadership positions because it's a race to the bottom. And it didn't start today like Vicky said and many of the other people said. It's a race to the bottom. Uh, Good leadership can be tricky sometimes. Look at this picture. Do you know how they do that? You probably do. I always wanted to figure out how they do it. They're really not uh, that talented hanging from the the ceiling. They actually are just standing on their tiptoes and the ceiling is inverted. So sometimes our lives is, is inverted. What we think is right is wrong. What we think is wrong is right. Did you get to that webpage, by the way? It works, good deal. You can download the whole uh, presentation. If it's on the presentation, you don't need to write it. If I say it, you can write it. It's upside down. What I think we need is something different than what we're seeing because the illusion of leadership can really trick us sometimes. Leadership is influence. Even a gang leader is a leader. He's just a leader for bad. When I talk about leadership, when anybody's talking about leadership, we're really just talking about good leadership. And good leadership, if I may also be bold to say, it's servant leadership. There is no good leadership without servant leadership. It's about raising the bar in everything. If there's a CFO in the room, I want to comfort you. You make more money, not less money, with servant leadership. We're not talking about lowering the bar. We're talking about raising the bar. Let's talk about a coach. You know, I'm from Illinois, Champaign. We don't have a great basketball team yet. 
So they fired the old coach because he wasn't doing that well. New coach came in. What does the new coach want to do? Just treat the, uh, the team well? No, every coach wants to win. And hopefully great coaches want to treat the team well and help them grow. So it's about winning and about growing our people. In its simplest terms, to become better leaders, we must first become better human beings. And that's something I really believe in. When did my journey start with uh, servant leadership? It actually was more like a slap upside the head, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. Here's a plumb line. Do you know, are, are you in construction? If you are, you would know exactly what a plumb line is. This building is on a hill. How did they know to make the wall straight up? And I'm not saying straight up compared with the hill. I'm saying straight up compared with straight up vertical. They drop a plumb. The plumb does not lie because the Earth's gravity is always upside down, straight up. I noticed that many times my thinking moves depending on the people around me. And it's like boiling the frog in the kettle. If you don't know what that means, uh, Google it. You put a frog in hot boiling water, it jumps out. If you put it in cold water and heat it, it will die because it doesn't know it's being boiled to death. We are being boiled to death with bad habits as people around us are bad examples for us. We need a plumb line. What is our true north? What is the good things that we can be and good examples that we can be? So um, something that is an awesome word picture for me is that the world is a stage and everybody is watching me. My wife is watching me. My daughter is watching me. My son is watching me. My employees are watching me. And our life is like a movie, except it's different than a movie. What's the difference between a movie and a TV uh, series? Once a movie is made, the script is written, and they go and sell the script. If you're lucky enough to sell a script, you can make some money. Then they find a guy or a lady, some company, that will produce it with the money and they hire a director to make it happen. When the movie is done, Jason Bourne, the Bourne ultimatum, cannot change its, uh, its ending. The movie is already done. But you and I, a movie is being made about us, and it's really a TV series. We screw up. The next series, we can change the script. People forget what happened at the beginning. Bad people can become better. Good people can become bad. Somebody leaves. Somebody comes. We are in the middle of a TV series being made at, at our lives, and what will the ending be? That's the question that I have to ask myself as I run through life, as I run through leadership, what will the ending be for me? I have, a t I have to admit, Art, I hope you don't get mad at me that I botched up the title of the seminar, the conference, I honestly read it one time, and I knew the right one. After that, I thought it was we are able, because my mind is thinking that we are able. And why are we able? Because if a guy like me is able, you are able. I'm going to tell you the story of a very ordinary guy, and every time I say that, they say, oh, no, you're not ordinary. I go, yes, I'm ordinary. I was the shyest guy in the world, number two was a good kid, so shy I was an angel. Why was I an angel? Because I was afraid to do anything wrong. My older brother was mischievous. I was the angel, my younger brother was in between. I had great grades in school. Why did I have great grades in school? I wanted to please my parents. My older brother, he got held back. I was promoted. Actually, I skipped fourth grade. I went from third to fourth because the principal, from third to fifth, because the principal talked my mom and dad into promoting me. Don't do that. Please don't do it to your kids. I was already the youngest kid in my class. I became younger by two years. So um, I'm born in Lebanon. There's the dot. You can't see it unless you enlarge the thing, the, the map. It's so small in the, in the Middle East. I was born there, and that's us when we were young. I, I'm all the way on the right, right in front of my dad. That's mom and dad, and the older person is my grandma, his mother. His father is not in the picture because he died because the Ottomans ruled Lebanon and they took him, conscripted him. The word conscript means they took you by force to fight for them. He died. My dad didn't finish high school. 
He didn't finish high school because when his dad died, he was left with uh, women, his mom, and his sisters. And he needed to make money. He lied about his age, made himself older so he can join the gendarme. Gendarme is in, under the French system, like police. So here's one side of our family, and he's missing. The older man is missing. My dad is not a, a high school uh, graduate. Here's my mom's parents. That's called a fez, by the way, the, the hat. Kelly, I see that you probably will end up wearing a fez soon. I don't know, because <laughs> you're a cutting-edge guy. Uh, what's wrong with, uh, there was, he was not conscripted, but he had one boy as the oldest uh, kid and four girls. All the inheritance went to the boy. My mom didn't inherit anything. We grew up poor. Poor mean we had food. We just didn't have anything extra. That's us growing up a little farther. I'm all the way on the left. Uh, my older brother, he's got a gun, more like the cowboys and Indians here. You know, that wasn't, it was still peaceful in Lebanon at the time. We were a democracy. But, uh, and that's the view out of my home in the village that I was born. I was born at home. Uh, in Mount Lebanon. So what happened and why am I here? World War I, I told you about my uh, grandfather dying and my uh, father dropping out of high school. 1915 in Lebanon, in Mount Lebanon, the Ottomans were still ruling. There was famine. You know, you don't know, I don't know anymore what it's like to want. We go to Target and everything is there. And when something is missing, we think it's, a, it's the end of the world. There was such little uh, resources that all the Ottomans did was kept all the fuel and the food for their army. Guess how much of the population of Mount Lebanon died in those three years? You can Google it, and Wikipedia is always right. You know, I'm just kidding. 50% uh, of the population of Mount Lebanon died between 1915 and 1918. 5-0. I am blessed, buddy. You are blessed. 1948, Israel was uh, born. It was declared a nation. 58, there were skirmishes in Lebanon. The U.S. Marines landed there. 67 was the Six-Day War. I was in sixth grade. I remember we had an ethics exam in the afternoon. I always worried about exams. I wanted to get 100. And I, was, I had studied, but I was still wor worried. I remember vividly we walked out for lunch hour. We had one hour at lunch. And we could see fighter jets buzzing the skies. Israeli fighter jets? and Syrian fighter jets. And we saw fighter jets falling out of the sky, actually, over Lebanon. I went back in that afternoon, and we didn't get the ethics class because the teacher wanted to talk about the war. I remember, I go, good, I can study a little more. Uh, 73, <laughs> 73 was another war, it's the Sinai War. And I was finishing high school, and I wanted to be a doctor. I looked and I said, my parents are not gonna have any retirement. They're older, I need to support them. My older brother's not gonna amount to much, and I'm not dissing him, I mean, that was a reality. He's not gonna be able to make much money. I need to go find a job where I can be rich forever and provide for me, my parents, and probably my brother. And I had learned uh, English from kindergarten, and I said, what will I do? Well, in the 70s, you become a doctor or an engineer or something like that. You could, there was no Google then. I thought I'd be a doctor. I could have gone to American University in Beirut, however, every two seconds when something happened, they would go out of the street, out into the street and burn tires. And you know, American University in Beirut said, we don't care, you wanna be on the seven-year plan? We'll take your tuition for seven years. We barely had enough money. I was gonna make it barely. I wanted to come to America. I ended up coming to America the last day of 73. That's my story, how I landed in America. To be a doctor and go back, the shyest guy in the world that was not street savvy, that was tender like a tender kid. Think about your tender kid. Um, adapting. I remember vividly on day one, right outside Olivet Nazarene, south of Chicago, where I came to go to four-year college and end up going to uh, med school after that. I went to a Hardy's next door. I didn't have a, a car. I just walked to Hardy's next door. I walked in. Uh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, I went to a British school, missionary school in Lebanon. That was like number two or three in the nation. It was really good. We couldn't afford it. Mom was a teacher. They gave her free tuition for her kids. I liked that. But I knew British English. I walked into Hardy's and I looked and I'm like all new to me. I said, I will take a hamburger, fries, rolling my R's. 
and water. And it was a 3,000 town, three people, only 3,000 people. And it was a young lady. She goes, you want a hamburger, fries, and what? I said, water. She said, what? I'm going, well, how else can I say it? I said, H2O. She said, what's that? I said, Pepsi. She goes, OK. <laughs> the funny thing is you got to learn to laugh about yourself. You either get mad about it or you laugh at yourself. I'm thinking, I'm here. I'm going to study. They're not out demonstrating the streets. I'm going to be a doctor and go back. I'll take anything. I went to the Social Security uh, office because I needed a Social Security card. You, you need that for everything when you get here. Um, Remember, my name is Habib Habib. Remember, I know English really well, and I'm a good student. I said, I need a social security card. She goes, well, OK, here's an application. I said, and then what? She goes, fill it out, give it to me. I said, then what? She goes, we'll mail you the card. I go, holy cow, mail arrives in America. What a country. <laughs> I went and sat down, aced the exam in my application, and I wanted to be really cool, because it's a woman, and she's smiling at me. And in, Amer in Lebanon, it's always a guy, and he's frowning, because he wants a bribe, you know? So I'm really cool walking down this way, and I'm going to give her the, the application and just keep going as a smooth 17-year-old. She goes, wait, wait, wait. I go, yes. She goes, uh, I want to make sure you filled it all right. And I'm thinking, ha, ha, I filled it all right. She looked at the name. You can imagine what's going on. She goes, what's your first name? I go, Habib. What's your last name? Habib. She goes, no, you said that was your first name. <laughs> so we danced around the table, and we went through that charade, and I said, I know, in, in this country you have a first and last name. I just happen to have the same name. I'm Habib Squared or something. I got it. That's why the title of my thing is Leadership Square. You get it? So uh, I adapted to that. But you know, uh, you got to learn to laugh at yourself. You got to learn. You, you either have a choice to get mad or a choice to be okay. So going on. Um, Spring of 75 was the start of the Civil War in Lebanon. I had just been here 16 months. Spring, the Civil War started in Lebanon. Same war as Syria now, just happened in the 70s and 80s for us. Uh, I lost contact at times with my parents for months on end. They lost everything. They were on the run. It was a horrible war. War is bad no matter what. Uh, something happened to me in December 75. My parents had paid for the whole 75-76 school year half of the tuition, I had a half scholarship from Olivet, from the college. They had paid for room and board. I was okay to May 76. I'm just hang around and eat the food. The only problem is on Christmas, they were off for a, uh, for a month. Need I remind you, I'm shy. Everybody said, you want to come with us to home? I'm going, no, I've never left home before. I didn't tell them that. No, I'm not. I'm going to stay in the dorm. The only problem is I didn't have a penny. And the cafeteria will close. They would gather us up all into the smallest dorm. There was only 15 international students then. I was going to be in the dorm, but I didn't have a penny for food. I kid you not, you know, uh, ladies, you grow, mat you mature faster than men. I, I don't know what I was going to do, but I wasn't doing anything about it. I guess I was just praying about it. The last day before School broke out. It was Friday before Christmas, I think it's 75. I walk into the P.O. box inside, and I find a number 10 envelope, white envelope, no return address, Habib Habib, P.O. box 683, Alabat. I knew it was an internal mail. I opened it up, a college-ruled notepad, a sheet. Habib, we thought you could use this. $100 bill was in there. Go to CPI calculator, Consumer Price Index calculator. Put in, in one of the things where a calculator can tell you what that amounts to now. $100 in 1975 equals probably 450 now. 440, between 40, 440 and 450, depending on inflation. Hamburgers at McDonald's were, I think, 20 cents. Chiclets was 3 cents. Coffee, they give it to you free because they wanted you to go there. Somebody gave me the equivalent $450 to have food. I went around to all my friends saying, do you know who did that? They go, no, we, we don't know. We don't have that kind of money. I don't remember who I asked. I remember the girl. Her name was Susan. It was the seventh or eighth person I asked. She looked at me and she said, Habib, 
Why are you asking? If they wanted you to know, they would have signed their name. You know what that taught me? You can do good to people without needing to get back credit. I say that because of the goodness of people around us and because even though you may be stinking up a storm in your life, somebody may do something good for you and we need to reflect and remember that. That happened to me. This is what happened after that. April 1976, still the war is raging. I need a job. I can't go back. If I go back, I land in the wrong. Uh, the airport was in Hezbollah's district. If I landed first, it was closed. But if I landed, they would have killed me. Started working at Arby's for a buck 65 an hour. I could not make much making buck 65 an hour. I remember renting a room in an old lady's house upstairs. She said, no drugs, no alcohol, no women up there. You got to be in there at 10. And I'm going, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. I just wanted to survive 10 bucks a week. I knew I needed to make more money. I would not, listen to this sentence very carefully, I would not have been a really good employee if I had options. What do I do? Call daddy, hey, I got fired, I'm coming back home to town. I didn't have anybody here. Adversity can be your best friend. Adversity was my best friend. One of my girlfriends, she wasn't my girlfriend, she was a girl who was my friend, said, you need a job, Habib. I said, yeah. She said, we're hiring at Arby's. I said, I don't want to work at Arby's. She goes, why? I shot myself three times in the foot. I said, I don't know anything about American food. I'm really shy. If they hire me, they will put me on the front counter. That was the terror that I would have experienced. And number three, they won't hire me. The kid with a lot of accent, name Habib, Habib, they won't hire me. She goes, They'll hire you. I didn't do it until like the last week or so. She goes, did you find a job? I go, no, I'm just praying about it. She goes, we're still hiring at Arby's. I went and hire, got hired at Arby's. I went and applied at Arby's. What did they do? They hired me. What did they do? They put me on the front counter. That was the best thing. Do you know that I would be scared to death to talk to you if I hadn't that happened to me? That put me out of my shell. And they stuck me on the front counter, and I hated every minute to it, of it, but I had no options. I would clean the dishes. I would do the bathrooms because I didn't have an option. Because I didn't want to get fired. What have you done in your life that was a horrible thing for you? And when you look at it five years from then, you look at it and you go, that's the best thing for me. That was Arby's for me. Guess what happened two months later? This kid with the same first and last name, they came to me two months later and said, we want to promote you. I needed to be promoted. You can't make anything with a buck 65 an hour. So I needed also a car. It took another month or two before I was able to find a way to get a car, got a loan. You know, have you ever been in debt way over your head? So anyway, check me out. Not the guy on the right, that was my manager. I'm the guy on the left. I had a lot more black hair at the time, and my name tag says assistant manager. And that was 1976. That was 40-some years ago. Art, if you ask me how did I start on my servant leadership, it was because the world slapped me upside the head and said, you got to succeed as an assistant manager. As an employee, all I had to do was do a good job. I did such a good job, they promoted me. As an assistant manager, I had to make sure I do a good job and they do a good job. And how do you get people to do a good job for you? I lucked out. I have no idea how I read a book that helped me. Uh, these are four influencers in my life. At the time, I'm feeling like Joseph in Egypt. Do you know the story? I bet you do. It's in three fates. So uh, Joseph was kind of sold by his brothers. I didn't get sold by my brothers. But I ended up in a different country, and I felt disconnected. He felt disconnected in Egypt, except he did an awesome job in Egypt. In three faiths, Joseph is one of the best prophets, in three faiths, including Islam. He was in the horrible time in his life, and he decided he will do the right thing. I did that, too, in my mind. But that's not enough sometimes. You know, head knowledge is different than other knowledge. I read The Posit Power of Positive Thinking, old book, still around, 
What did that tell me? Said, Habib, you're not a doctor. You're not going to be a doctor anytime soon. Your life is messed up. Your dreams are being broken. What are you going to do with yourself? Stop feeling sorry for yourself. The next book is even better. 80% of my success I got from that. Not just from the book, from one idea in the book. It's not about me. It's about them. That's what that told me. And it's not really about you. It's about them. If, if, if it's just a basic, simple principle, you want to love on people. I use the word love purposefully. And sometimes people say, well, that's a tough word. Yeah, what? I don't want my wife to appreciate me or value me. I want my wife to love me. I want my kids to love me. I want my employees to also know that I more than value them and appreciate them. I care about them like family. So I learned from that. Habib, you want to succeed? And you better succeed because there's nowhere to go. You got to care about people. That started my journey. That was many, many books ago. And so you may, I watch the hands. I'm, this is my first time here in SLC. First time when I'm speaking. But there's a lot of people here first time. Let me tell you one takeaway. It's not a one-time deal. It's a change in habit and thinking. I probably have read hundreds, if not thousands, of articles and books about leadership. That just started me. Desiderata, raise your hand if you know what Desiderata is. Very few. Google it. Download my PowerPoint. Um, Here's a poem by Max Ehrman that became a song in the 70s. And I'm a romantic and I'm an emotional type of guy. I got, I got passion in my veins. You know, we're Mediterranean people. It told me not to compare myself with others. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain and bitter, for there will always be greater and lesser people than yourself. That told me quit comparing myself with others. You know, you could be driving a Mercedes S and you go to Miami Beach and that's nothing. You paid 130000 for that car, and they have a Ferrari and Lamborghini. So you think you're hot, Habib. Somebody will be hotter than you. The last one is, times are tough, but this world is still awesome. Remember I told you the story about $100? Somebody cared about me in the depth of my need. Here's what that said. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be. And whatever your labors and aspirations and the noisy confusion of life, keep peace with your soul. With all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams, this is still a beautiful world. Strive to be happy. Let me ask you, is this still applicable today? As you look around and say how bad our society is, we, the people, can make a difference. Every speaker has said that. It's a movement, right? We, the people, can make a difference. I don't care what's happening around me. I want to be the joy in people's life. That just reminded me, joy, my wife, is here. She's in the back. If I make her stand up, I'll be in the doghouse for six months. <laughs> but she is. Her name is Joy, and she's the joy of my life. They changed my journey, and I bloomed where I planted. I think Art talked about that this morning. He didn't know I have a slide. Maybe he didn't know I. I was stuck at Arby's. I decided I just have to do good. Not because I want to, but I had to. Where are you? Or maybe you got dropped out of med school. I don't know. Apply your story. Are you doing the best you can? Or better yet, go back and look at your team in a different way. What if one of them was Habib? And maybe your kindness and investment in him or in her will change and you'll be the $100 bill for them. Not necessarily money, but support. Bloom where you're planted. So I worked at Arby's. At that time, you know, like, what's Arby's? Hospitality industry. I can diss it because I was in it, right? I remember every Monday we had to meet to talk about our payroll numbers, our food costs, et cetera. And all we talked about was, why aren't we making our numbers? I begged. I begged my boss to give me 15 minutes in the manager's meeting to talk about people. And he laughed all the time. He said, no, oh, we got to make our numbers. When he let me, he wrote me a note on a post-it notepad. He didn't give many compliments. He goes, this was the best meeting we've ever had. I talked about things about people, like I'm telling you now. And I said, if we invest in our people, we may make our numbers. So I started my journey, even though I was not in a professional situation. That was the last thing they wanted to hear. 
Now it's normal for them to talk. Uh, met Joy. She came and applied at Arby's. I was still working at Arby's. I, I hired her, but I didn't know anything about it. We were supposed not to fraternize, so it, she says I'm the slowest guy in the world, wouldn't ask her out. I kind of knew I wanted to marry her. She knew she, she wanted to marry me. When she got done with Arby's, we started going out. We got married in 1985. We'd been married 33, 34 years. Uh, we have two children. Started having kids. The war ended in 1990. I was able to bring my parents over. Mom had heart disease and Parkinson because of the war. Heart disease because she got the rheumatic fever before they invented penicillin, and that went to her valves, so her, her heart was bad. We were able to spend three years together, so God allowed us to redeem the time, and she passed away. As soon as she passed away, I had been wanting to finish school, and I I couldn't because it was either kids, and when they came, they stayed with us, and so I would work 60 hours a week, come home, spend time with the kids, then spend time with my family, with, my, with Joy, then spend time with my parents who were with us, and I would study no time, you know? So as soon as she passed away, I went back to school. I finished my degree. I got an MBA. You guys, many people beat up on MBA. It's okay. I'm an MBA. <laughs> uh, I got my MBA. A degree gets you in the door. Once you get in the door, that degree means not much. It's how you treat people. Not one person asked me about my GPA as a client. Not one person. The client just wants to know how I treat them. Not one of my employees said, Habib, you're, a, you're an MBA. I kind of idolize you. Not one person. They want to know how I treat them. Is that servant leadership? Absolutely. I'm still learning every day. If you do the math, I'm 62. I feel like I'm 38 because age is just a state of mind. But I'm learning every day. The last thing we want to do is think we know everything. Leadership by our attitude is important. I adjust my attitude via my gratitude. How do I do that? I know, you know, I came from a different country. You can do the same thing. I wake up, I'm, I'm a sunny kind of guy. I like sun, I like a tan, I like it to be warm. That's how Lebanon was, like Southern California. I get up and it's cloudy. I hated it. I really hated it. How did I learn to adjust my attitude? I would say, well, I'm in America. Thank God I'm in America. In Lebanon, in Beirut, the bombs were falling down so fast that the bombs would explode and smoke would fill the air and it was cloudy for weeks on end. I say, it's just cloudy. It's not war. Thank you. Adjust my attitude. I get up with a headache. I have bad days just like everybody else. I get up with a headache. I learned to adjust my attitude. I had a friend back home who got a bullet in the head during the war. And he had such severe headaches, they couldn't operate because it would have killed him. He learned, he, he lived with headaches till he died. I get up with a headache. I'm in America. I'm blessed. It's just a headache. It could be a bullet. How do you adjust? I hope I'm giving you ideas for you, but knowing that you guys are professional, maybe I'm giving you ideas to use with your employees, with your team. I hope that helps. Uh, here's a picture of a kid with no legs. That adjusts my attitude. Here's a picture. We talk about schools. We're in Illinois. We're broke, kind of like California. California and us compete about being broke. So they're always complaining that our buildings are not good enough. Check this guy. He's learning. Where are they learning? Under an overpass in another country. We are blessed. Here's another one, math exam. It says, in math, writing in math, Evan told his class that his, his family has 14 legs. Quinton said that Evan must have seven people in his family. Is Quinton right or wrong? Explain why or why not. Yes, because 14 divided by 2 is 7. That kid answered the following. But not everyone has two legs. Go to woundedwarriorproject.org. Perspective. You don't have to be Habib coming from another country. You can make your own perspective, believe me. Uh, finding joy through tough times. You can have a gratitude journal. Read that later. We talked about self. Every leadership expert says that your journey in servant leadership starts with self. Your actual journey in leadership starts with self. 
Read that later. I'm going to keep going. Joy went to ladies' class one day. She knows from before I met her that I love books and I'm on a journey of self-discovery and learning new ideas. She comes back and she goes, uh, ladies' class, I mean, ladies' day, sorry. She comes back. She says, I got a book. I bought this book. I read. I heard the speaker. And she's the author of this book. And uh, I want you to read it. It's right up your alley. Now, I know she's here. I didn't tell her the following, but I'm thinking, oh, no. <laughs> ladies, ladies' Day, what kind of book it's going to be? It's Silver Boxes by Florence Lidauer. Do you know about it? Raise your hand if you know about it. No? Awesome. One person. Great. I added value to you. This lady was a consultant. She's an author and a consultant. She goes to consult, and she's teaching kids. It happened to be a church setting, okay? She comes a day early on Sunday to check out on the church because every time you're consulting, you want to find out the story behind the story. How can you help the church if you don't see it on Sunday? So she walks in. Of course, like Ken Blanchard, her picture was on the book. The guy, the pastor, knew what she looked like. So he sees her coming through the back. He goes, oh, I see Florence Letterow is here. Why don't you come on up and speak to the group? I mean, that was bold. I guess speakers need to be prepared all the time. She's walking up front. He says, and it's church, kids' church. The kids are staying with us for the whole church. Could you make sure it's applicable to them? She had two kids, didn't know what to say. Walked up, said, I'm going to just tell them what I tell my kids. Let no unwholesome come out of your mouth except what's good for edification, that it may minister grace to the hearer. You want to know in English? Say nice words. Words are important. She said, every word that comes out of our mouth should be encouraging. What does that mean? The kids are answering it. If you read the book, just read the first three or four pages. You got the message. I'm going to tell it to you. What does good words mean? They said should be encouraging, should be uh, helpful. And one kid stood up and said, every word ought to be like a gift. You know Christmas time? Do you love gifts? Most people do. If you don't, it's okay. But you, like, you know that your kids like gifts. Think about Christmas and getting gifts. Every word of our mouth should be like a gift. And another person said, and it should be nicely wrapped up with a silver bow on top. Silver boxes. And a third kid said, and we should keep piling the blocks higher and the gifts higher and higher until it becomes a big pile. And the last kid on the punchline said, and we shouldn't go around knocking our blocks down. Ladies and gentlemen, my kids have been knocked down. And if I ask you to be honest, every one of us, our blocks have been knocked down by words. What's worse is every one of our team members, their blocks have been knocked down. We can either be their inspirer or their belittler. What's my words like? I married Joy. Luckily, she adored the heck out of me. I had an accent. I had black hair. I don't know why she liked me. She put me up on a pedestal. Actually, we went to pre-counseling, uh, pre-marriage counseling. They told her, you idolize this guy. It's not a good fit. No kidding. She cried. I said, we're getting married anyway. I don't care what anybody's saying. But she was my greatest encourager. How did I pay her back? By being her greatest encourager. I'm kind to her. She's kind to me. That's why we've been married for 33 years. If you want just the one thing, we're kind to one another. And we encourage one another. Guess what? Our kids watch how we treat one another. Our employees watch how we treat one another. Servant leadership does start in the family. Two or three speakers already said that. Great book. I, I recommend it. What are my words like? A lot of times I have to watch and leash my tongue. Leadership is not whack-a-mole. You remember whack-a-mole? That used to be a really fun thing. Look at the bad guy. Our boss sometimes is a bad guy knocking us down. Or it's not our boss, it's life. Life knocks you down sometimes and you go down as a person and up a different thing. If we view people in a different way, we no longer regard them from the same point of view. We will be different with them when we go back with our team. 
Have you ever been in an, in an airplane that experienced the wind shear? That's a scary thing. You can drop 10,000 feet just like that. That's force pressure from on top. We can be that or we can be the wind beneath their wings. Art already mentioned the uh, wind beneath our, their wings. There was a Bette Midler song that was the wind beneath our wings. We can be either a scorching heat or a nourishing rain. Somebody told me as they're walking us to our room that hill over there is always brown. We've had a lot of rain, it's green. How am I? Am I a scorching heat to my people or am I a nourishing rain? And if you're a boater, come on, buddy. If you're a boater, you'd know what that wave is behind the boat. It's called a wake. I know people who walk inside into the room and walk out and suck the life out of the room. They, re, they create a path of destruction behind them. And then we talk about that boss for five hours after that. I don't know you, I don't know if you're like that, but I know, I bet you, there's somebody in your building, in your place of work who's like that. That is not servant leadership. So life does bad stuff to us, we do bad stuff back out. That's Geigo, garbage in, garbage out. Remember, a computer is really smart, but it's really stupid and at the same time. You put garbage in, it comes gar garbage out. However, we're not computers, we're human beings. Garbage in, better things out. You've had garbage in your life. I've had garbage in my life. What will I choose to kick out? Maybe I want to change the world. I do. Maybe you want to change the world. We have to change our habits. They talked about being authentic. I'll leave that. They talked about being humility. I told you my father was not a high school graduate. He was actually much older than my mom. No, it was not an arranged marriage. He was 20 years older. He was a different generation. Uh, I really got along with mom way better because he was so stern, so firm. He really always fought with my older brother because my older brother wasn't compliant. I never got swatted, never. But let me tell you how I can learn even from somebody who I'm not as close to. I was much closer to my mother. I didn't hate my father. I just was not this close. He was not a high school graduate. He told us a story one time, three boys. We're poor. We have enough food. He went to cash his check at the bank. End of the month, we get, he got paid once a month. He walks in, cashes the check. In Lebanon, proper thing at the time was you don't count the money in front of them because you know, you're saying, I don't trust you. I'm gonna count the money. But he's very care, careful. He goes around the corner outside on the sidewalk and counts the money and it's wrong. What's he gonna do? He comes back in, he goes, Mademoiselle, you gave me the wrong amount. She goes, Monsieur George, his name. Monsieur George, we are a bank, we don't make mistakes. He goes, well, you may want to count it. I think you made a mistake with me. She counted and instead of giving him 300 and some liras, she gave him 400 and some liras. She flushed and she said, I would have lost my job. Thank you for your honesty. Good old George comes home to tell his kids. I remember vividly thinking, that's stupid, Dad. I didn't tell him that. <laughs> I remember thinking, that's stupid, Dad. The bank has a lot of money. We can use it more than them. George was not bragging. George was teaching his kids integrity. I cannot tell you how many times I've been given too much money. McDonald's, a dollar extra, sometimes $10 extra. I cannot accept it. Because I see my father saying, I didn't take the money when we could have used it. He told us another story about integrity. This story is not just a Lebanese story. It's a story about a house builder. There's a house builder in this little village and uh, he lucked out that the rich man in the village used him exclusively. The guy was a good builder, great builder. So every time the, the builder wanted something new, he would have him do it. And one time he came to, let's say the builder's name is John. He goes, John, you've been with me all this time. I'm going to retire. But I have businesses other, other places. I want to retire in a really nice home. 
So I have this lot of land at the end of the village. It's up on a rise. I want you to build the best house you can. I mean, not just on the outside. I want the inside to be good. You know, and back there, instead of two by four, two by six, we, don't, we didn't use two by fours, but if you equate it here, two by six, more insulation, the better, the better uh, fixtures. Uh, tell me how much it would cost. He goes, well, I gotta do some figuring. He goes, yeah, do it, but I'm leaving for a year because I'm gonna close up all my businesses and I want it to be ready when I come back. So John is figuring it out. He goes, well, I'm gonna tell you, here's the price, but it's a lot more. He goes, that's all right, I just want the best. The best is what's most important. He goes, I'll take the price. You've always been good with me. So John says, great. The, old, the rich man goes on to close up all his businesses before he retires. He's gone for a year, comes back after a year. In the meantime, John is building the house. And John says, what am I going to do with myself when I don't have this business? We live in a small town. I don't have a retirement. He won't know if I miss certain things. He won't know if I skimp. So he skimped a lot and got him a nest egg of savings. But the outside of the house looked good. So the old man comes back. He goes, John, are you done? He goes, absolutely. You'll be proud. He goes, you know, you never let me down. I'm glad I had you build this house. Let's go see it. So they're walking to the outskirts of town, and from far, he goes, man, John, that house looks awesome. You are such a great guy. They get closer and closer, and he keeps admiring the house. They get to the door. He looks at John. He goes, you know, I don't really need this house. I had you build your house. Dad told us this story 50 years ago. I remember it. What does that tell me? Work it as if you own it. I worked it as if I owned it. When they were looking and when they were not looking. And not because I wanted to. I guess because somebody was a good role model in our life. I end up going back, getting my MBA. I joined this company as a COO. I end up being an owner because I worked it as if I owned it. I don't know where you are in your life. It could be that it sucks for you right now, and it's not the job that you want. It could be that you're in the best position, but it could be that one person on your team, it sucks for them. Maybe you can go and inspire them by what you do and how you serve them and you will change a life. And if I gave you one, maybe two, if I gave you three things that you can do, it would be a home run for me that you can use at home. I wanna show you one more thing. Remember, all these are on the website. I'm gonna have you check uh, a, here are a few things that I did. I would tell everybody who got hired at BPC, my job is to help you succeed. As a CEO, I tell them my, my job is to help you succeed. They get wide-eyed like, what? You're not gonna be watching me? Yeah, I'm gonna be watching you. We're gonna all work hard, but my job is to help you succeed. What can I do for you? I walk around, get off your desk, please. Devote 30, hours, 30 minutes a day to just get off your desk and go talk to people. And start with the lowest of the low. And I don't mean low that their position is low, but you know, every company has a hierarchy. Mine would be the receptionist. Everybody else is professional kind of around him. I walk up to her first and I go, How's you? how are you? Good. What's going on? I talk to her for just a couple of minutes and then I say, is there anything I can do for you? Over the years, one time person says, what do you mean? I go, I, I just want to make sure you have everything you need to be successful. Just tell me. She said, no, I'm good. I start to walk away. She said, I, my stapler is broke. And I said, cha-ching. I go back to my desk, I bring her my stapler, and I give it to her. What was I doing then? I want her to serve others, so I served her. It's like there are teachable moments, and I die for these moments to make an impression, not to get credit, but to be a good role model, because there's not too many good role models these days. Uh, catch them doing right. Ken talked about that. Eliminate these words. They work beneath me, they work for me, or they work under me. We used it, I've used it. 
what if I say you work under me? What does that mean? I stopped saying it over time because I started understanding what it means. I call people my colleagues. They work with me. I have this upside down. No wonder I'm going backwards. <laughs> my colleague. We're on the same team. We work together. I introduced somebody on their first week at uh, BPC. We had a very important client come in. She didn't know a thing. I said, this is my colleague. Twelve years later, she tells the story to everybody. I was a nobody at BPC. Habib introduced me as a colleague. It's free. If you're not the owner, don't worry. You don't need permission from your CEO to do something good. These are ideas I'm giving you. And then, this you will not understand if you just download that. MBWA is management by walking around. If you're in business, you would have learned that we ought to get up. I say call it leadership by walking around. Um, last thing, I have a minute 37 to say. I'd like for you to download that and ask yourself these questions. And if you're gutsy enough, bring it up to your team. And if you're really gutsy, have your team not rate themselves, but rate you. Don't worry, it's on the website. When I enter the room, people feel more optimistic. Most people say I lift their spirits. Remember the boat with the wake and the destruction, the path of destruction? Most people are energized after they're around me. I bring out the best in people. That's the definition of leader. That, you know, many of my supervisors say, I wish I had a better team. I go, if we, you had a better team, we don't need leaders. If everybody is a star, we don't need leaders. But our job is to bring out the best in people, not the worst. I steer people towards positivity in a negative situation. It's okay to be positive. What about being positive in the middle of a bad situation? I model a positive and flexible attitude. Carla talked about change. Flexibility, if you are not flexible, you'll be like borders. You'll be closed. Amazon will stick around. I contribute ideas, and I'm open to ideas, and I'm an excellent example of positive peer pressure. Positive peer pressure means if you're the only one standing up for what's right and you still do that, you're a positive peer pressure. So I'm going to close, and it's also a handout if you download it. I'm going to inspire you with the the bullets. To be a servant leader, value yourself, value others, inspire them with your character, love them with your heart, encourage them with your words, lead them with your courage, grow them with your coaching, keep them with a shared purpose, and together let's serve humanity. Ladies and gentlemen, together let's go serve humanity. Thank you very much. Hey everyone, real quick before you go, we have another free gift for you. Email us at info at servantleadershipinstitute.com with the subject line Habib's free gift to receive a PDF called Creating Environments for Creative Conversations. We all experience times when it's necessary to have a difficult conversation. This card provides you with guidelines to make these interactions more productive. Review these steps before and after your meetings and monitor the changes in outcome. Creating the right environment and going through steps for courageous conversations is a great way to maintain positive growth for everyone involved in a difficult situation. We also have 10-pack bundles of these cards on our web store under SLI Tools. Thank you once again for allowing us to add value to your day.